Let's start the show here with the news that will dominate this week in the United States and in Washington. That's Syria. We have two views from either side of the aisle in Congress. In a moment, Congressman Tom Cole, Republican from Oklahoma, will join us. But first, in what will be many voices from Capitol Hill this week, Congressman Frank Pallone, a Democrat from New Jersey's 6th Congressional District, joins me. Welcome, Congressman. Hi, Todd. How are you doing? Fine, thanks. Well, let's start with the most obvious question first. The president's ask is before lawmakers his request for authorization to intervene in Syria in the face of the use of chemical weapons. Right now, are you a yes or a no or an undecided? Well, undecided, uh, because I think that uh, there's time now, as he has articulated, uh, you know, for him to basically put together and explain uh, what his goal is. And, uh, I, you know, look, I have to say I'm pleased with the fact that he uh, is uh, is willing now to come before Congress and ask for us to authorize, you know, whatever action uh, he's seeking. Uh, but I do think that, you know, we have to be very measured in terms of uh, any response. I mean, I think that we should, you know, we should take the time over the next few days uh, before we vote, because we don't vote for another week at least, uh, in, in seeing exactly what the consequences are and what the goals are. And, you know, I, I also appreciate the fact that he did not um, ask for uh, troops on the ground, because I would be opposed to that. So in principle, Congressman Frank Pallone, you would support American interve- intervention in this case in a limited case with clear goals and that did not include boots on the ground. And then if that's the case, you would be a yes. Well, no, I would say this. I, I'm, I'm, st- I'm simply reserving my decision uh, until we get as much as information as possible. And so, you know, I think that, uh, look, I, I'm, I'm someone who personally voted for the Kuwait war uh, and against the Iraq war. So I don't want to use military force unless it's absolutely necessary. And, um, you know, I think the president basically shares that point of view. He's pretty much articulated that when he says he doesn't want ground troops. And so I think both Congress and the American people have to have to weigh this over the next week and see exactly what we're going to accomplish uh, if there is a sort of, uh, a limited strike against uh, the chemical weapons facilities in an effort to try to take them out, which apparently seems to be you know, what he has in mind at this point. Sure. And before we let you go, Congressman Frank Pallone, uh, do you think that in this divided Congress and the many different coalitions and perspectives on intervention, none of which are really partisan, do you think there is a path to get 218 votes in the House? Does the president have hope of getting the approval he wants? Look, I don't think this is going to be partisan. I mean, it's pretty clear from uh, from what we're hearing and from what I hear from my colleagues that this is not really being viewed as a partisan issue, and I certainly don't think it should be. Uh, Whatever we do, uh, and if we do anything at all, uh, we should be united as much as possible, and it should be bipartisan. And I think that's likely, that if there is action or if there is an authorization, uh, that it's likely to be uh, bipartisan, and I think that's a good thing. Democratic Congressman Frank Pallone represents the 6th District of New Jersey. Congressman, thank you. Thank you so much, Todd. Take care. So from a Democratic perspective there, now to a Republican one in Congress, Congressman Tom Cole from Oklahoma's 4th District and friend of The Takeaway. Mr. Cole, welcome back to the show. Hey, Todd. How are you? 
I'm fine, thanks. Welcome back to The Takeaway. Congressman, you were in on the classified briefing for members of Congress yesterday on a holiday Sunday, about 85 members, as I understand it, in that room. Um, A lot of your colleagues came out of the room and said the White House needs to scale back its apparent ambitions in Syria. What did you make of the briefing that you got? Well, it certainly uh, was helpful, and I appreciate uh, the president uh, uh, making his uh, people available for it. You know, I was skeptical going in in terms of uh, whether or not we should be involved. I remain skeptical. Uh, I look at Syria, and I think this is a civil war. It's a religious war at some levels, and it's a proxy war between regional powers uh, like Iran and Saudi Arabia. And, uh, you know, the idea of uh, involving ourselves militarily directly, I think, uh, is what I have considerable skepticism about. Uh, Mr. Cole, you have been in Congress a long time. You're a former whip and somebody who's known to be close to Speaker John Boehner at this point. Uh, The whips in the Republican uh, conference say they're not whipping this vote. This is a vote of conscience. They're not going to tell anyone how to vote. That may or may not be true a week from now, but what's your sort of initial take on the 218 votes that would be needed to give the president authorization here? Do you think 218 votes a combination, a coalition of Republicans and Democrats exists in this case in any form for the president to get the vote that he says he wants here? It's certainly possible. I think it depends first and foremost about how the president does in his own party. I mean, usually the core of the president's support, regardless of uh, the party of the president, is his own people. So you're going to have to have a very substantial Democratic vote to get there. Uh, and I don't think this is a partisan issue. It is a, a vote of conscience. I think you'll find Democrats and Republicans on both sides of the issue. Uh, you know, uh, so I, I certainly agree with the uh, whip operation, and I am a whip, uh, staying out of this. I, I don't know if the Democratic whip operation will be involved or not. Normally, uh, I can tell you, having dealt with these things uh, from the standpoint of Iraq and Afghanistan, if your administration uh, is uh, asking for a vote, and normally the whip operation for the party of the president uh, does work hard on the president's behalf. So, uh, But, I, I, again, I think the first thing is what are Democrats thinking? Because if you don't get a substantial majority of Democrats, it seems to me you're very unlikely to get uh, a majority of Republicans. There is one Republican voice who is skeptical of the president's request for use of force in Syria, but perhaps maybe confident in Congress's ability to approve that request if Nancy Pelosi puts up what they call the big numbers. That's Republican Congressman Tom Cole from the 4th District in Oklahoma. Thanks for joining us again, Congressman. Hey, Todd, thank you. Have a great day. Well, there are a couple of perspectives from Capitol Hill on the impending debate on American force in Syria. But how about a perspective from the ground in Syria? Joining us to discuss the implications of U.S. action in Syria and the ongoing humanitarian crisis on the ground there, Laura Satrakian, journalist and founder of Syria Deeply. Hi, Laura. Good to be with you. Thanks for being with us. Do you have a sense of what American cruise missiles or American power in Syria that are being contemplated now would mean for the millions of Syrians that are already refugees from that war or the millions more who remain part of the conflict? Well, the threat alone of a U.S. strike has already changed the dynamics on the ground in Syria in several ways uh, since 
President Obama's announcement on Saturday, we've seen an emboldened Assad regime playing this for propaganda points, saying that this is basically an American retreat uh, and also intensifying the bombardment of rebel-held areas, especially uh, in and around, well, really around Damascus, in the suburbs of Damascus. So the, the, the talk of the past 10 days has already changed the situation in Syria. How is this going to impact the civilians, the refugees, those who are struggling to survive right now in Syria, barely finding food, hardly any electricity. Uh, we really don't know. They've been bracing for the worst, uh, knowing that this could lead to an escalation and not even the kind of escalation that we normally think of in the West, Iran or Hezbollah doing something against U.S. interests. But this notion that with a U.S. strike, you had so many rebel groups, both Islamists and more moderate with the Free Syrian Army, looking to keep the regime bleeding, so to speak, looking to use it as an occasion to enter the gates of Damascus or make gains on the ground or take rebel, uh, take regime-held bases that they think would be targets of a U.S. strike. So there was all this posturing by both sides to make the most of this moment for their own gain and to really shift the dynamic, the power balance uh, in their greater favor. One of the risks in a situation like this, because we've seen it before, Laura Satrakian, is that a regime wants to make it as hard as possible for an international power to use high technology strikes. They move civilians or other sympathetic people into the places that they think will be targets. Take 100 school children, put them in a chemical weapons depot, go ahead and try to bomb it, Obama. Do we have any sense that that might be happening now? We are hearing reports on the ground that the Assad regime is trying to deploy civilians uh, as human shields over certain targets. It's very, very hard for us to directly confirm. But they're also they're being accused of, of doing the opposite as well, moving their own officers and operations into schools, hospitals, civilian areas, uh, so that they're harder to reach. The Assad regime is very expert in evading accountability and in specifically using, you could say, low-tech means of, of maintaining power. Uh, when you look at what the strike itself could accomplish, at least rebel commanders telling us at Syria deeply that either hit hard or don't hit at all, uh, that if you make this uh, sort of symbolic slap on the wrist uh, by the U.S., it's really not going to achieve anything. Uh, what the rebels, of course, have been pushing for and hoping for is a broader uh, broader uh, U.S. action in Syria. That's also what Senator John McCain's been talking about. That's also what America's Arab allies are talking about. There is an argument that's emerging here, a consensus that uh, a limited strike really wouldn't do much, that if you're not going to take this sort of uh, stronger engagement and, and empower the, the folks that the U.S. does like, the moderate rebels, to make substantial gains against the Assad regime, then there's no point in doing this at all. Uh, one of the criticisms of the president going to Congress in this intervening week for authorization is that it gives simply more time for Assad to, to maneuver, more time for him to potentially use weapons again as the debate goes on, even if the White House winds up using American power at the end of a week or in 10 days. Is that a valid criticism? It is, but there's also a strategic benefit for the U.S. to wait it out. If the Assad regime were to launch another attack, specifically a chemical weapons attack, I spoke to one British uh, parliamentarian who told me that's probably what would move the U.K. back toward considering participation in a strike, making it a stronger uh, move on the U.S. part. 
what we had before the consideration of the U.S. strike is is a really lopsided picture. The Assad regime was up. Iran and Russia and Hezbollah were enabling Assad to stay ahead of the rebels. Uh, the U.S. and the West hadn't done anything substantial to make it easy for the Free Syrian Army to move forward against the Assad regime. It was really advantage Assad. Now, this strike is a really real reset of the game. That's what everyone's waiting to see. And more momentum for the White House would help it really balance out those factors. Laura Satrakian, journalist and founder of Syria Deeply. Thank you. Welcome back to The Takeaway. Todd Zwillick with you, filling in for John Hockenberry. Let's return to our main story now, the efforts that are underway in Washington and around the country and around the world to make the case, as President Barack Obama wants it, to use force in Syria in response to the use of chemical weapons there. Some thoughts in a moment from our friend and chief Washington correspondent for The New York Times. Of course, that's David Sanger. He'll be joining us in just a minute. But first, another voice key to this debate. Democratic Congressman Gregory Meeks is a representative from New York's 5th Congressional District in Long Island. He's also a member of the Foreign Relations Committee in Congress. Congressman Meeks, welcome to the show. Hello. Good being with you. Thanks for being with us. Congressman, lots of perspectives on Syria. The president has said he wants to go to you, to Congress, for this authorization we've been talking about. What is your perspective here? You sit on the Foreign Relations Committee. Uh, What is your perspective about whether the use of American power in the face of chemical weapons is warranted? For me, uh, I have concerns as we as we sit today. Uh, What needs to be done and how and whether we do it in a unilateral way uh, has a has me concerned. Uh, I don't believe in that the United States should act unilaterally uh, when there has been a violation of an international norm. Uh, and we need to have and should have a broad coalition of individuals uh, that are going to enforce such standard, uh, as well as a deep conversation uh, with the uh, Congress and the American people uh, on uh, what our interests are uh, if we should have to do this on a unilateral basis. Now, of course, the U.K. is not going to be with the United States in any potential action. Their parliament has seen to that. France is with the United States. How broad would this coalition have to be in order for it to have uh, the kind of legitimacy that you're talking about? We don't have enough to say that this is a NATO alliance. We don't have enough to say that there's a U.N. resolution. We don't have enough to say that there is the Arab League is with us. Uh, and uh, based upon all of the language and conversation that is talked about, you are hearing this is a U.S. intervention. Uh, so mainly all of the work and any of the actions and any of the responsibilities will be on the United States and the United States primarily by itself. Uh, what will take place the day after uh, is of concern. If there is retaliation, uh, then what happens then? Is the United States the only one that has to respond? Uh, to me, it is substantially different than action that was taken in uh, Libya, for example. None of that is certain here. Now, Congressman, does that mean that in this coming week, as White House officials, the Secretary of State and others lobby Congress hard for this authorization, it it sounds like what you're saying is that the intervention part is okay with you, but that you're a no unless during this week more international partners publicly come on board in this kind of coalition. Is Is that the fulcrum of your vote here? Well, that's that is the fulcrum. I think that the president has an opportunity uh, going over to the G20 meetings to have conversation with uh, a number of our allies to try to pull more strength together. I will be 
looking at that very carefully. And so I'm hoping whether it's open or back door, uh, we cannot just simply, uh, in my estimation, ignore Russia. Uh, there should be some back channel or front channel conversations because that, to me, will be the way that we can uh, ultimately get some kind of resolution, a, a diplomatic resolution to the problem. Russia is going to have to be at the table because they are serious close allies, just and apparently they're not going to leave them just as we would not leave our close allies. Well, while the lobbying effort from the White House continues in Congress this week, there's one congressman who needs to see a lobbying effort internationally with international partners. That's Congressman Gregory Meeks, Democrat from the 5th District in New York and member of the House Foreign Relations Committee. Congressman, thank you. Thank you. Good being with you. So despite the fact that the vast majority of lawmakers are not back in the Capitol just yet, they'll be back next week, Washington is going to be an interesting place in the coming days because of this. Listen. I will seek authorization for the use of force from the American people's representatives in Congress. Over the last several days, we've heard from members of Congress who want their voices to be heard. I absolutely agree. In the coming days, my administration stands ready to provide every member with the information they need to understand what happened in Syria and why it has such profound implications for America's national security. And that's the perfect time to turn to our friend David Sanger, chief Washington correspondent for our partner in The New York Times. Welcome back, David. Great to be back with you. Boy, oh boy, we all know that the War Powers Act is a law of choice for presidents. Uh, The president didn't go to Congress when he set up intervention in Libya, and now all of a sudden he's decided it's a good idea. What do we know about the the behind-the-scenes calculation here? Why a commander-in-chief who has command of the cruisers and the cruise missiles, why would he turn to Congress now? Well, the only answer to that, Todd, is for some political cover here, because as you say, he didn't go for Libya. He didn't go, obviously, for the bin Laden strike. He hasn't gone for the drone strikes over Pakistan, although that has been considered to be under legislation that was passed right after 9-11. And he didn't go for covert action like the cyber strikes against uh, Iran. So why now? And uh, part of the answer is that I think he was feeling profoundly isolated for the reasons that you heard from Congressman Meeks. Uh, there is no British involvement. There's not going to be NATO involvement if uh, if the, the British are not going to be uh, uh, part of it. And NATO has shown very little interest in doing what it did uh, here in Libya. Uh, the Arab League uh, so far has done nothing. So I think Congress is faced with two questions which got conflated a little bit, I think, in the previous conversation with Congressman Meeks, which is, first, how much does the U.S. care whether other nations go into this with them? And secondly, is there a separate and distinct American national security interest here that would make it legitimate to go even if no one else in the world did? David Sanger, there used to be a pretty strong liberal interventionist strain in Congress, people who said, you know what, Kosovo was the time to use American might. Uh, Rwanda was the time we should have used American might when there were humanitarian disasters on the ground. Is that still prevalent? Can President Obama rely on that liberal interventionist philosophy anymore? Well, that liberal interventionist philosophy uh, gave its fullest expression really in Libya, which was justified uh, on the basis of responsibility to protect. The president didn't use that phrase exactly, but it's a theory that has come up uh, in the years since Rwanda, pushed by, among others, people like Samantha Power, now the president's uh, representative at the United Nations. 
the difficulty in this particular case is that the president is not arguing for a humanitarian intervention that would have a significant effect on the war itself. He's only arguing for what he referred to uh, as something of a brushback pitch to keep Assad from using chemical weapons again. So he's going in on the basis of, of restoring a norm that chemical weapons should not be used. We've heard uh, a perspective earlier in the show that rebels on the ground in Syria are urging the president to, if you're going to, to, to hit hard, if you're going to hit at all, no flying billboards, but a decisive strike. And we will see over the course of this week what actions the White House takes, not only in Congress, but in its military strategy. David Sanger, chief Washington correspondent for our partner, The New York Times. Thanks again, David. Thank you. And as this national debate on Syria continues all week, we'll want to hear from you. Hi, this is Miguel in Miami. You asked, do you think America should intervene in Syria? Absolutely not. This is a civil war. Every time the United States has gotten involved in a civil war, we've come out horribly in the end of it. Give us your take all week long at 8778-MY-TAKE. You can send us a tweet at The Takeaway. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Todd Zwillick. John Hockenberry will be back tomorrow. This is The Takeaway. On Notes from America, we have conversations with people across the country about how we can truly become the nation that we claim to be. Each week, we talk about race, our politics, education, relationships, usually all of them, because everything's connected. And you, our listeners, are at the center of those conversations. I'm Kai Wright. Join me on Notes from America, wherever you get your podcasts.